Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. I'm Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, September 20th, 2021. No issue has defined the auto industry this year more than the chip shortage. One of the experts we've turned to month after month to help us sort out what's going on and what it means is Sam Fiorani, a vice president with Auto Forecast Solutions. I reached Sam at his office in suburban Philadelphia. Sam Fiorani, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Let's get right into it. Um, A couple of months ago, it had looked like things were, if not getting better, you know, maybe at least starting to look manageable and like on a path to recovery. And then in August, uh, Toyota, Honda, and Nissan all announced steep cuts in production. And since then, the traditional U.S. automakers have continued to make cuts even on important models like the F-150 and the Silverado. What's going on? Is this just is this just a stumble as COVID cases flare up in Southeast Asia, or are projections just in free fall? It's a lot of those things. Uh, this whole situation started uh, after the COVID situation delayed production of uh, chips for the automotive industry. We figured at the beginning of this year, when this first started roaring its ugly head, that everybody would be on board and and a solution would be solved, and it would take six to nine months to, to solve it. Well, we're nine months into this, and the solution's not quite yet there, and we're, we're waiting for everybody to, to step up, uh, the semiconductor manufacturers to, to provide enough capacity for the, for the automotive industry, the auto industry to find the right sources of chips. Uh, everybody is realizing that they just don't have the the chips they need to keep going and it it shows up with uh, Toyota who had been doing very well to this point it shows up at General Motors who had been keeping the at least the trucks online and Ford who has has gotten rid of most of the the low hanging fruit the cars that weren't selling and focusing on their trucks and sport utilities well now it's affecting their bread and butter the F150 Tesla said that it adjusted its programming in order to be able to use different kinds of chips. Is is that the kind of solution you're talking about? Is is that what more automakers might need to do? And do they even have the ability to do that? The traditional automakers don't have that ability, whereas uh, an automaker like Tesla is has a uh, more modern electrical backbone to their vehicles so they they might be able to change how they they design their vehicles and how they build them whereas legacy vehicles are are using older chips they're using uh, chips that are more robust because they have the track record they they've been in the industry for a while they've been used for a long time and if, if you have a car with an electronic brain in it you can't have it just conking out on the middle of the highway whereas if your iphone breaks you restart your iPhone and it's not going to be detrimental to your life. Uh, your car breaking down in the middle of the interstate could could harm you. So they need to be more resilient and more proven in your car. Uh, that because of that, the traditional automakers have these older style 
chips and uh, systems. It's Tesla is is not of that mindset and has a, a more modern chip in their vehicle. And then um, if I understand it right, it's not only and thank you for that. I, I wasn't as uh, aware of that detail, but at the same time, because the automotive chips are not the most cutting edge uh, type, the manufacturers are reluctant to add capacity, right? Because they don't want to add capacity for these, you know, less dynamic uh, sorts of semiconductors. Is that, how dire is that? <laughs> the The problem with that is that the older chips are not as profitable as the new cutting edge chips. So if you're building chips for for phones, for gaming systems, those are going to be really, really modern chips and expensive and profitable. So as a semiconductor manufacturer, you're going to want to focus on those rather than building these older chips that are older. They make less money. They've, they've been on the market for a while. So it's just, it, they're going to cost less and they're going to make less money for you, even though they do have high volume because how many tens of millions of vehicles are, are using these chips and uh, how many chips per vehicle are we going to need? It's a, a large sum of chips, but it's also a large capacity. These plants that make these chips cost tens of billions of dollars to set up and you're just not going to set them up to make less profitable chips when it's just as easy to make them for your the latest iPhone or the latest generation PlayStation. So among the incumbent automakers, is there anyone you think is doing particularly well at, at managing the shortage, minimizing the damage? We would have expected Toyota, but uh, as we saw last month, they're, they're a little short on chips as well. BMW has shown that it is managing fairly well so far, but uh, as proven by Toyota, that could change next month. Toyota's uh, or BMW's production in North America has been very steady. Uh, if you we, we've analyzed the numbers and there they've had slight blips in production, but nothing to the say that they ran out of chips. Whereas Toyota came out and said we have to cut back production at all of our facilities, cutting back hundreds of thousands of, of vehicles. That Toyota is traditionally the one you go to when you want to say this is how. The industry should work and even they're having issues at the moment china as an economy as a as a country has been you know wary of uh u.s sanctions and how long they might last and uh has been accumulating chips and more importantly chip making equipment does that serve to help geely and volvo or or not particularly well i can't say specifically to those manufacturers but in the in the grand scheme of Chinese manufacturing, a lot of their production are are older and uh, uh, less technically advanced vehicles. The companies like Geely uh, and a, a few of these more modern, more competitive companies do have modern vehicles, and so they will require more chips. Uh, China has been doing a fairly good job of of keeping up with chip because the industry, the automotive industry in China is very important to their growth going forward and potentially eventually uh, to exports. So they need to have uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of supply of semiconductors 
and uh, and their recent, relatively recent push for EVs is definitely going to need uh, chips going forward. I know you're forecasting a lot of what, what we've been talking about is focused on production, but do you also, do you look at pricing at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I said, the pricing of chips is going up because uh, simple economics, the, the demand yeah, yeah. is high, the supply is low. And, <laughs> yeah. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, vehicle prices. Used car prices have, have recently come down a little after a meteoric rise. But with new vehicle production, which eventually becomes the used vehicle supply, uh, are prices at all points in the market just likely to remain persistently high for quarters into the future? Well, to the same point as the chips, when you have demand for vehicles and coming off of COVID, there's an extraordinary high demand for vehicles and there's just no supply. I'm still shocked when I go to a car dealership and they have literally a handful of cars on the lot. So the prices of those cars are going to go up. Uh, we had a, uh, a friend who went to go buy a minivan the other day, and the only minivan they had on the lot was $60,000. <laughs> this is just insane. Uh, and that, that's for a new one, but even the used ones, be because the buyers have to buy something. And if there's not a new vehicle that fits your bill, then you got to move over to the used lot. And that's bringing up the prices of those. Uh, there's only so far that the used prices can go before they start pushing up the new prices even further. So uh, the, as you said, the meteoric rise of prices only filled the gap, only filled that space in between what uh, the depreciation on a used car is uh, compared to the new vehicle. So the prices are going to remain high as long as the supply is low. And, and unfortunately it's going to remain low for a for a little while yet yeah because you know there are some prices you know more ephemeral items you know uh investments that can can soar up real high and then fall right back and there's just economically and physically it doesn't seem like there's any way that's going to happen with vehicles no no we we absolutely need to get more production to fill in the dealerships to bring down the demand it's going to take a long time to fill in that, that gap. We'll be back for more with Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions after this. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot -E -E com slash retail anywhere. So we hear a lot out of Washington about trying to help uh, improve the supply of semiconductors for automobiles. 
politicians know there are a lot of jobs tied to auto manufacturing. Um, but what can they really do? Is there anything that, that we should be hoping for, anything that can have a, a immediate or even you know, medium term sort of impact? There's not a lot you can do when you're trying to turn this ship around because it, it's this is not going to happen overnight. It takes months, many months to get a, a factory up and running to produce these chips. The capacity is already spoken for in every industry under the sun that makes that uses computers. So finding additional capacity takes tens of million, tens of billions of dollars of investment and takes six, nine, 12 months to build. So it's, it's nothing you can do immediately. Uh, no matter how much money you throw at it, it still takes time and energy to, to get the capacity ready to go. Um, the, the help that the federal government can do to, to encourage manufacturing of chips is great. It's still just going to take time. We, no matter how much money you throw at it, you can't have it. You can't have the investment in there and the capacity up next month. So what is the path to recovery uh, in, in, in your eyes? Is it getting, getting Asia fully vaccinated? Is it, uh, is it a, a technological breakthrough or um, how do you, how do you see the path out of here? For the short term, it's making sure everybody is vaccinated, getting uh, countries like Taiwan, Thailand, Malaysia, all these countries, all the people in these countries to get them healthy and then allow the production to resume or reach its capacity. Uh, Midterm, we're going to need new plants. We're going to need a lot of investment. And long-term, we're going to need more plants in Western Europe, in North America, so that these hiccups that cross borders and cross many, many time zones are going to continue into the future, especially a part as critical as semiconductors, relying on a country that could be hit by a, a, a virus like this. Uh, this. This isn't the first major virus we've had around the world in the last decade or so, and it's not going to be the last. So being prepared for issues like that, making sure that uh, political issues between countries doesn't interrupt the flow of critical parts. There's going to need to be a movement of some of these parts to, to areas where they're actually used. So that we can avoid some of these pitfalls that that are popping up suddenly in the last two years. So we're just about out of time. Uh, let's let's try to sum up this uh, you know this year uh, with a little more than a, a quarter to go in 2021. Uh, where do you think production will finish uh, globally and for for North America and and how how does that compare with say 2019 uh, before before the pandemic? Well, we're we're looking at uh, about four nine and a half million vehicles taken out of the production for this year, simply because of the semiconductor issue. This year was supposed to bring us back to a, a level that that we were on trend for prior to COVID. Uh, COVID took the wind out of all the sales. So North American production last year was thirteen million units. And this year we anticipated to, to hit 16 million or more, but this is really taking the wind out of the sails and bringing us down to somewhere around 14.1, 14.15 million units this year in North America. 
before we if all is back in line next year we should crest 16 million and hopefully get up to about 16.4 million units next year uh this is all contingent on making sure we have enough chips and uh keeping the flow going and we don't have a fourth or fifth or sixth wave of covid at that point bring everybody back down just uh, just for context what was it in 2019 or sort of in the the late teens yeah 2019 was a relatively bad year compared to the years prior to it we were down to 16.3 million units which historically is a fantastic year but prior <laughs> to that we were over 17 million for five years okay so getting back to 16.4 is a good in line year, with is a relatively good year okay so it's a north american production being about in line with u.s sales it, it has traditionally been roughly that era yes and uh and globally we're talking about like it being a, you said nine and a half million units taken out that's about 10 percent of the annual production fairly close to 10 percent. we had uh, 90 million units produced in 19 we were down to 75 million units last year thanks to covid and this year we probably could have been in the range of 90, 90 million units again but we're looking at just over 81 around 81.3 million units this year there you have it that's a that's a lot of work not getting done Absolutely. a lot of vehicles not getting sold okay sam fiorani auto forecast solutions thank you so much for joining me no problem anytime thanks so much that's daily drive for monday september 20th 2021 for the latest news, go to autonews.com. And for a complete collection of about 350 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive.